When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Warnings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystal? What? Picks you up, calms you down, it's the lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Welcome to College Football Monday. My name is Pete B and I'm your host. This show is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia, and it's a Sons of Saturday live show. Happy Victory Monday, everyone. I come to you each and every week to cover everything that's been going on across college football and, of course, give you a heavy dose of what the Hokies were up to, which was awesome on Saturday. Hop in the chat, put up any questions you want, make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Uh, we're going to go through something big that happened first, and that was Jimbo Fisher. He is canned. He is no longer the coach of Texas A&M. They decided to buy him out. Is the largest buyout in college football history at $75 million. At least that's the number I'm seeing now. And I remember when that was signed, I think it was initially a 10-year deal worth 75 million, but then there was an extension in there too, I think, maybe after 2020. But either way, the contract was always absurd. And there's no reason to give any college football coach a 10-year deal. I, I I mean, with how quickly the landscape can change, we've seen how six months, 12 months, 18 months can change the tenor of a coach's tenure. And so to me, that was always silly. And Elko has been floated around as a candidate. Mike Elko, who's done amazing things for Duke, he's it look, seems like the leading candidate. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he coached their defense for a couple seasons, uh, maybe five years ago or so. And then Dan Lanning, the coach of Oregon, has been floated as well. I don't know how reasonable or or uh, expected that move would be. I mean, Oregon lost Willie Taggart. They lost Cristobal. It would be wild if they lost another promising coach. And to me, why would Lanning leave Oregon? Like he's building a juggernaut. The recruiting has been ridiculous. They're having an amazing season. They can compete financially. They're going to a big power conference in the big 10. So that doesn't make any sense to me. If he wants to get a big bag of cash and be fired in three years. Yeah, he should, he should go to A&M. But if he, he wants to sustain winning, he should probably stay at Oregon. Because if you look at Oregon's history and what they've done in terms of top 10 finishes since 2000, I think it's nine. Texas A&M has two. You'd have to go all the way back to 1957 to get to nine top 10 finishes for Texas A&M. That was when Bear Bryant was still there. And so or Oregon, whether you believe it or not, is much more equipped to win and win consistently, be in the top 10 consistently than Texas A&M. There's simply too much competition in their division, in their what it's going to be conference. Uh, with Texas Oklahoma coming in, like it's going to be challenging for, for Texas A&M to compete. But that doesn't, that's still, I would say, that's a good job for Elko. Like Elko proved in a very short time how good of a coach he is as a head coach at Duke. And he's not at a place that's already a juggernaut. He's not at an Oregon. So for him, 
yeah, go get a paycheck. See if you can make Texas A&M competitive year in and year out in that conference. And to that end, the carousel looks like it's going to get started early. We saw Dion demote his OC. Penn State just fired their offensive coordinator. And we've got the Jimbo firing. Things are going to start to turn here on that carousel. We're getting close to Thanksgiving. It's going to start to get wild. Let's get into week 11. Michigan took care of Penn State 24-15. to And it probably wasn't that close. I don't know how much you watch that game and because our game was on at the same time uh, but neither team put up 300 yards it was a one score game up until quorum broke that 30 yarder for the score but if you watch the game which i had it on a second screen michigan was beating up penn state and that's kind of what we expected to happen and so yeah they go up 24 i think at the time it was 24 to 9 and penn state put up that late touchdown and went for two Didn't get it. And in that situation, I don't know why Penn State didn't wait to to kick the two-point conversion. And Franklin was asked about it after the game, and he basically ignored the question. Uh, I I think certain analytics tell you to go for it. I'm always of the opinion, keep your team engaged for as long as possible for going for that two-point conversion, and it failed. And I don't think Penn State was going to score again anyway, but they did lose. McCarthy only had those 60 yards passing, but – Michigan had committed to the run and had 227 yards on the ground against that Penn State defense. And in terms of Penn State on offense, it was more of the same from Aller. Like he, he's just checking the ball down a ton and maybe under a new OC, we'll see some more, I don't know, some more downfield throws or some more aggression from the Penn State offense. But going into this game, I I said, Michigan has Penn State's number. They, Penn State always seems to fail in these two games the last few years against Ohio State and Michigan. I also think that that game should have been a night game for Penn State. Like having it at in earlier in the day just seemed wrong. And so I don't know that, but Franklin's got this hurdle to get over and the fans are mad, but they're still winning 10 games a year. So it's, it's a weird spot to be in for Penn State. And someone put out the article that once we expand to the 12 team playoff. That's the best thing ever to happen to Penn state. Cause they would have made the playoff a bunch of times if that were the format, but they just can't beat these own two teams in their conference. But I'm sure they'd love, even if they can't get over this hump of beating Michigan and Ohio state consistently, they would love to get that home playoff game, which those teams that aren't getting the buy will get. And so a playoff game in happy Valley. That sounds, that sounds pretty nice to Penn state fans. I bet. I also thought it was funny at the end of the game, and I just I forgot to mention this, that Harbaugh clearly didn't coach because of the whole scandal. And the the coach that, that was crying after the game about Coach Harbaugh doing it for him, also he just let off a bunch of expletives, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, but you're on live television cursing about Coach Harbaugh. It's just weird. Crying and cursing about Coach Harbaugh made it sound like he was dead as the joke went around. I think PFT put that out. So silly. But it does call into question whether Michigan is the best team in the country, able to win that game at Penn State without their coach. And that brings me to Georgia, who crushed Ole Miss 52-17. to Ole Miss actually scored first in this game. And early in the second quarter, it was tied up 14-all. But Georgia reeled off 31 straight, 45-14, to right as the fourth quarter was starting, and it was over. 
And after the game, Lane was talking about how Georgia has, you know, 25 five stars and they have one. And good morning to you, William. Thank you for being in the chat. You don't need 25 five stars to prevent 611 yards of offense. That would be my contention. Uh, Beck was so good for Georgia in this game. 306, 12.2 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, a 96.6 QBR. He continues to improve. Jackson Dart, on the other hand, I was really disappointed. Uh, Just 112 passing, no touchdowns, an interception, because he has been lighting teams up. And Georgia did a really good job of breaking down this team that was probably a little overrated. And that's something Bud Elliott's been on all year. That Ole Miss really isn't very good. And it kind of showed up in this game. Georgia is very good, but I felt like Ole Miss should have been slightly more competitive. Judkins was good. He scored both of their TDs for Mississippi, but Milton for UGA was ridiculous. 127 rush yards on nine carries for him. Two touchdowns. Edwards added two more touchdowns. McConkie with 81 and a TD. He's so fun to watch run routes. This was Georgia asserting themselves. Thought they did it a couple weeks ago in Jacksonville, but that proved to be a little bit of fool's gold. And then they come out against Mizzou and kind of Mizzou's good. And we saw that against Tennessee. I'll mention that a little bit later. But like this was a smackdown of a pretty solid top 10 Ole Miss team. So this is a statement by Georgia. We're here. We still have the title. We're coming for another one. And there may be a little shakeup to my playoff four due to the Michigan and the Georgia result, even though they both won. I'll talk about that later. Washington battled with Utah. They battled with Utah. They won by a touchdown, 35 to 28. Shut out Utah in the second half. And Utah actually led at the half behind a couple touchdowns from Barnes. They were up 28-24, and and Barnes played well, but they couldn't sustain it. Penix looked great, 332, two TDs for him, and 88.6 QBR. Odunze, 111 on three receptions, and his longest reception was only 40 yards. So that was like three 30-yard-plus receptions for him. Dylan Johnson with over 100 and a touchdown. It's crazy how much both of these teams adjusted at the half because the scoring went way down. It was kind of a high-scoring game in the first half, but Washington's defense, they found a way to slow somebody down for an entire half. And this was a game I thought Washington might lose. I'm not a complete believer in Washington, as you know, if you ever watch the show or or pay attention to what me and Rob got to say, but they stayed the course. Washington toughed it out. They got the W, and they're at Oregon State next. And I'm I'm wondering how that game's going to go. A road game in Corvallis, Oregon State just stomped Stanford, a, a Stanford team that had been playing pretty well. So that is a dangerous, dangerous game in Corvallis for the Huskies next weekend. I want to see how that turns out. And then Washington finishes with the Apple Cup. But they're 10-0. Shout out to Washington for that. Florida State beat Miami 27-20. to Emory Williams started the game for Miami, and it was tied up at the half, 10 to 10. This is another game where we see FSU kind of putzing around, kind of struggling a little bit, and Miami was running the ball and trying to run clock. And they actually outgained Florida State in the game. Florida State 
finally took a seven-point lead on that beautiful run by Benson, and he looked so quick on his way to the end zone on that one. He actually had two touchdowns in the game. 20-13, to 13, they took the lead, and then Coleman got the 57-yard return and then a touchdown a couple plays later. So they got that nice separation. It was 27-13, to 13, and Williams added the TD pass with eight minutes left, and then he had to leave the game with an injury. TVD comes in. That was it. TVD stinks, as we know. So it wasn't Travis's best performance, Jordan Travis, but they still won the game. It's a rivalry game. I'm curious how the committee is going to treat Florida State this upcoming week because they kind of struggled with Pitt. They've Now they kind of struggled with a lesser Miami team, even though it is a rival. Washington just beat a good Utah team, and – They've had Washington one spot behind FSU the first two weeks. I feel like they're going to move Washington into the number four spot ahead of Florida State this week, but that's something to watch. And that's because so many of the top teams held serve and won their games. LSU and Jaden Daniels went off on Florida. 52-14, to Daniels with 606 total yards, five touchdowns, First FBS QB to have 350 yards passing and 200 yards rushing in a game. First one ever. Certainly seems like the Heisman to me right now. I know LSU has three losses, and usually you got to be in the playoff hunt in order to be a Heisman candidate. But like sometimes, like with Lamar Jackson, the stats jump off the page, right? And he has 38 total touchdowns through 10 games. I feel like, to me, he seems like the Heisman. Now, Bo Nix is the leader on Vegas. Penix is second. I think Daniels is third. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is fourth. And Harrison Jr. had three touchdowns. And he's upping his game, too, down this stretch. I I don't think Harrison's going to do enough to get it. He was my plus 5,000 pick before the season because I thought it was a good value play to win the Heisman. But to me, it should be Daniels. At the end of the year, when these guys really look into the stats, Bo Nix is having a fantastic season. Penix putting up stats, but it is not Jalen Daniels fault. Jaden Daniels fault that his defense sucks and it's cost them a couple games this year. And so, and he had to leave that Alabama game early. So maybe they win that game if he's able to stay in. But I, I, I feel like Daniels is my Heisman pick. We'll see how he plays uh, going down the stretch. Here. Oregon started off hot against USC, two passes for Bo Nix, two touchdowns. So yes, he is, he is a legit, Heisman candidate. I think his passer rating was over a thousand in the first quarter at one point, but they could never separate quite enough versus USC. They won 36 to 27. Ponix 412 and four TDs. They get a win. I thought that was a dangerous spot for Oregon coming off the Utah win. And so good job by them. Mizzou smacked Tennessee. And that was a game where some of the guys in the cover three were picking. Tennessee, I think that was like maybe a little bit of a trendy pick because Mizzou was coming off the Georgia game. Mizzou's a much better team, and they proved it. Brady Cook was great, but Schrader was better. 205 yards rushing, 116 yards receiving for the Mizzou running back. That kid's a monster, and nice story Mizzou is this year. Really, really nice story. Kansas lost to Texas Tech 16-13 to after Bean went out. UCF put it on. Okay, State in rainy conditions, 45 to three. That was definitely a come down spot for OK State. And 
they they failed miserably. Really, really failed miserably. I I, I expected just a little bit more from the pokes, but they dropped that one, and now they're back in that group of Big 12 teams that's maybe going to play for that title game, but they're going to need some things to happen now. Bama dominated Kentucky, and this is going to be my last one before I get to the ACC notes. That game was 21-7 to early, Bama, and, and it ended 49-21. to Kentucky was never in the game. The line looked stupid after the fact because it was a 12-point line. Me and Robbie both dove into the stink, and we dove in the shallow end because that did not that did not work out as i said at the top of the show college football monday is brought to you by mccoy's auto repair in radford virginia they're a locally owned family operated business and that's someone we love to support and they've been around since 1980 over 40 years in the business and they do oil changes they do state inspections they do major and minor repairs they do it all they can rebuild your engine they can rebuild your transmission and they also sell just about any brand of tires. So get your tires for this winter over at McCoy's. Have them put on at the shop. And they can pick up your car and drop off your car if you just can't get to the shop with work. So that is a really nice perk. So head to McCoy's this fall or this winter for all your vehicle maintenance needs or give them a call. The number is right on the screen. It's 540-639-2933. And you can also find them on Facebook. It's a very easy, easy find. So just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. And I was hoping to have Rob on the show today. I He hopped in here and we were having just a little bit of an audio issue. So I'm hoping he pops back in. Um, but until then, you're going to get just me. ACC notes. Louisville had to come back to beat UVA. And on Thursday night, I was tweeting about it like, man, UVA's making our performance last week look even worse uh, because they had the lead on Louisville due to some favorable things that happened on defense. They had a pick six, and UVA scored three touchdowns in the third quarter to take the seven-point lead. But Garendo had that 73-yard TD. He looked like Khalil Herbert hitting the hole. That's something else I said. I mean, the speed from that kid, we saw it in our game, and it, he was back with it in this one. Put Louisville up late, and some other things they could have won this game. They have been so much better since their bye week. They obviously beat UNC went to overtime with Miami damn near beat another ranked team on the road at night. Like they're playing well. Calandria three fourteen, a touchdown and a pick 89 rushing yards for him. And like that kid scares me, man, over 400 yards total in this game versus that Louisville defense. That's frightening. We go to Scott Stadium in two weeks. If Calandria is the quarterback, he's dynamic. He can he can do some things, and it makes me nervous. Duke and UNC was wild. Heels won in double overtime, 47-45. to 45. Gutty performance by Duke on the road, but fell just short. There was a non-review on an interception by Duke. And it was a 50-50 ball that they went to the ground. And it was one of those situations where they always give the tie to the receiver. But it really probably warranted a review and it wasn't reviewed. But the the QB for Duke, Loftus, he he played well. Three touchdowns, a 71 QBR. It was it was a really, like, like I said, a gutty performance. Waters ran for 113 and two touchdowns. But Drake May did what Drake May does. 342 yards, three total touchdowns. Just one pick and an 85 QBR for the game. Hampton went for 169. Tez Walker, 162. 
it's honestly amazing Duke was in this game and took it to overtime the way that they did. They were severely outgained. They had the eight penalties, but they were four for four on fourth down. And that was that was big. They were playing backs against the wall for, for most of the game. And after UNC did win in overtime, we had the UNC students on the field. I had to poke a little bit of fun out of that. Hey, listen, I I love UNC. I love no, no, no. I love fans having fun. I love students having fun at games. That's what it's all about. Can be a little bit of a dangerous situation store in the field. I'm not gonna be the old man get off my lawn take with that, but it was just funny because Duke is unranked. They're on their second or third quarterback. And you had to, and you're ranked. And you had to use overtime to beat them. It's a rival and all, but the storm, storming of the field may be a little bit much, but have fun, kids. Oh, and Mac cried after the game. Probably his last game in Keenan. So maybe a pass. Are we giving him a pass? But old man tears on the field. NC dominated, NC State dominated Wake 26 to 6. Armstrong was starting in this game due to MJ Morris's departure. I talked a little bit about that with Sam during the game. Because uh, we were on two different streams for the Tech game. We did one in the second quarter and we did one in the second half. And so check those out. They're on the Sons of Saturday YouTube channel live streams. And we talked about the MJ Moore situation. But Armstrong was starting. Great QBR in the game for Armstrong. A 98. One of the highest of the weekend. But just 111 yards passing. 96 yards rushing. It was an efficient day. Not a ton of yards, but an efficient day for what has been a struggling NC State offense. Two touchdowns for Armstrong. Week is just... They're so bad. They are such a bad team. Clawson, not his best coaching effort this year. Just eight first downs in the game for Wake. Seven rush yards, 163 total yards. Pitiful, pitiful offensive performance from Wake. Syracuse beat Pitt 28-13. to Essentially, they were running the triple option. 381 yards rushing. We had Schrader in there running the ball. The other quarterback running the ball. 250 from Valari and Schrader combined on the ground. Clemson spanked Georgia Tech 42 to 21. Klubnik, four touchdowns. King threw four INTs for Georgia Tech. That they're not going to win like that. And Clemson got another win. Buying that Clemson stock has worked out so far for Dabo <laughs> after their loss to, to who was it? Oh, NC State. All right, let's do VT Corner. Virginia Tech beat Boston College 48 to 22. What a bounce back in this game for our Hokies. It was a road game. We hadn't won on the road. The coaches did something different. They, they're in the hallway at the hotel waking those kids up at all hours, trying to get them angry for the game. It worked. And guess what? The game wasn't even stressful, which when you go to Chestnut Hill and you don't have a stressful game, that is a rarity. And so I, I very much appreciated it. We took it to BC from the second quarter on. 21 points in that period to make it 31 to seven at the half scored right away in the third. In fact, I was, I was in the bathroom when we scored again, because it happened so quick and the route was on BC did put up 15 late in the game to make it look respectable, but our defense was dominant and the offense was super efficient. Two first quarter interceptions for Dorian strong, a, a guy who we think has been ACC caliber for years but has had injury problems and maybe just not the right coaching or whatever, but great first quarter, great game from Dorian strong. That was awesome to see led to our first 10 points. Did those first two picks 
In the second quarter, it was Gosnell, Lane, and Tootin who got us on the board. And then Tootin scored again to open the third. He had three touchdowns on the day. Malachi had a nice run for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Kyron was awesome. 70% completion percentage, highest of the year. 217 passer rating, highest of the year. 92.8 QBR, highest of the year. 135 rushing yards, most on the season in any single game. 6.8 yards per attempt. What a game by that kid. First Virginia Tech quarterback to have multiple 300-yard games passing in a while. There was a stat during the game that hadn't happened since 2006, but I think there was a rushing component, and I can't recall what that was off the top of my head right now. But the continued improvement of Kyron is so fun to watch. I mean, this is his eighth start, something like that. And we saw some nice deep balls. It was he his rushing was amazing. He had a bunch of rushes. I think he had 15 rushes in the first half, but he was getting good chunks of yardage on everyone. We ran for 363 as a team, 600 total offensive yards in the game. Six. Hundred, most of the Brent Pry era. Something I've kept saying this season, and I love to keep saying it. Forty-eight points, most of the Brent Pry era. Eight point three three yards per play, most of the Brent Pry era. The six hundred yards were tied with the twenty eighteen ODU loss. So that's how long ago it's been since we had six hundred yards of offense. That was exactly six hundred that day two, according to CFBStats.com. And so if you have to go back to 600 yards and a win, I think it has to be the 2017 ECU game, but I might have to double check that one. Most yards in a road conference game since 1993. I got that one from Bill Roth. So that that's pretty spectacular. In conference games, we are now at six yards per play, just over six yards per play. And that would be a top 50 offense if we could sustain six yards per play throughout the year. And so that's technically against the better competition on our schedule. We're averaging six yards per play. That's something that we can build off to go for. We should be a top 50 offense next year with the guys we have coming back, with a quarterback coming back, a hopefully improved offensive line. And I'm not trying to go past this year, but it's just nice to see when you can, you can put those conference stats together and you can see that improvement and that hope for the future. It's very encouraging. Seven of 15 on third down for us. So better, not over 50%, but we were nine of 17 on third and fourth down because we added two fourth down conversions, two for two there. Five, and you know what? Early in the game when we had that fourth and one near the goal line, it was extremely disappointing. We got the false start. We have to settle for the field goal. Then BC goes right down the field and rushes all over us to to score and go take the lead. I thought that was it was a microcosm of our season and I'm like this this is going to be a long day. This is going to be one of it's going to be like the Liberty game last year. It's going to be competitive throughout. We're going to struggle and it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all. And BC should have never put it in the air early. I don't know why the game plan for them was to throw it when they've been rushing the ball so well this year. I I know they were missing Robachaw, but like when you look at our rush defense, how do you how do you throw it on the first play of the game? How do you come out after the interception and throw another interception a couple drives later? A little bit of a silly play calling for BC, if you ask me. 
five trips to the red zone for tech four TDs. That's what I was trying to get at. And now that, that's nice. That is really nice to see. The defense did a great job of holding Castellanos in check, just 156 total yards for him, two interceptions, as I mentioned, 262 yards total for BC. So kept them under 300. And that was tied with Wake Forest for our second fewest yards allowed on the season. Obviously the lowest was Syracuse, but this was right up there with the other dominant defensive performances. And this, I had, I had said how Pitt, Wake, and Syracuse didn't have joke defenses that we were able to put up points on. Well, this BC team doesn't have like a complete joke of an offense. And we were able to stifle them really well and stop that rush attack, which I was so happy to see. We are now 21st nationally in total defense, only giving up 317 yards a game. A top 25 defense, guys. Top 25 defense, at least in one category. That's what Brent Pride did at Penn State. Now he has us right there. Let's keep it up. Let's finish the season, a top 25 unit. Robbie and I will go into more of the stats when we do our full BC recap and our NC State preview. No sacks in the game, but with a rushing quarterback like Castellanos, he was escaping a lot. They were running the ball a lot. So not, not too upset about that, but I want to see some sacks this upcoming weekend against Armstrong. That is that is for sure. We had lots of backups in the game late. Wells, I have to mention the Wells run. Poor Grant Wells, man. He was so close. So close. 60 yards. And the unfortunate fumble that goes out the back of the end zone. Oh, man. But we did get the yardage out of it. And it did help us get to 600. Pop came in at quarterback later. All the running backs came in. Coney got in there. Aiden Green had a catch. Really good to see those backups get in, get some time. Super satisfying after what happened against Louisville. This game was super satisfying. They switched up the routine at the hotel. It worked. Five wins now for the Hokies. Two ahead of last year. One win away from bowl eligibility with two games to play. And still an outside chance at that ACC title game. Yes. I Don't, don't get mad at me. We still have a chance. I'm just telling you what the mathematics are. Louisville, obviously, heavy favorite to get there. UNC, slightly better chance than us. And we have, I think on FPI or whatever it is, it's like a 0.4% chance. But what we need to happen, we need UNC to win out. We need to win out, obviously. And Louisville needs to lose to Miami. That's it. That's it. And it's such, it's so simple. It's not easy, but it's so simple. The hardest thing about all of those things happening I think is UNC beating Clemson this upcoming weekend. They got NC State, I think, at the end of the year too, which they they always struggle against NC State. But the, the biggest barrier to this plan for us to get to the ACC title game is UNC beating Clemson. Because I think the Miami-Louisville game right now, it's like a pick em. Like Miami might be a half-point underdog right now. And we're three-point favorites against NC State. We're probably going to be favored against UVA. But UNC might be... They are an underdog to Clemson by a TD, and they're probably going to be an underdog. Well, they could be to NC State. We'll see. Regardless, it's it's fun. It's unlikely. But, hey, man, I will, after these last few years of Hokie football, to have a chance with two games to play, to play for the ACC title, bring it on. Wash it over me. I, I, I want to I talk about it. Even after the Louisville loss, you come out, you bounce back like this. Let's talk about that ACC title game chance. Because it's just fun. And that's what fans do. We talk about the fun stuff.
like I said earlier, me and Sam hopped on two different streams. We had Adam with us on the first one. We had my buddy Brian with us on the second one. Go to the Sons of Saturday YouTube page, click the live, and you'll see our streams from the BC game if you want to watch them. They're both about an hour. And like I said, Rob and I will go into more detail on the BC game and on our NC State preview later in the week on our other show. Other notable games. JMU whipped UConn to move to 10-0. and They're getting game day this week for the App State game. So I'm going down to NC State. ton of my friends are coming down. I know a lot of y'all are coming down to the game too. And the ESPN coverage, the Pat McAfee coverage, all going to be up the road. A little annoyed. Just a little annoyed. However, me and my wife had plans to be at JMU on Thursday night for weeks because on our way down, she went to JMU. We're going to have dinner with some friends. But now I'm wondering if I want to go see if McAfee is on campus and check out some of the show. Not that I'm a huge McAfee guy, but if I'm in Harrisonburg on Friday morning, I got to see what's going on. That could be kind of fun from just a college football perspective in general. And App State, that game, be careful, JMU. App State's playing better. Ohio State crushed Michigan State. McCord was awesome, 98.1 QBR. Marvin Harrison, three total touchdowns against a awful Michigan State team. Texas survived a late push from TCU to win 29 to 26. The saddest part about this game was Jonathan Brooks towards ACL. Huge blow to the Longhorns. And they're at Iowa State next week, a dangerous place to play. And then they come home for Texas Tech. If they want any chance of the playoff, they got to make some statements these next two weeks. And they got to win out. They got to beat, and then they got to beat the championship game, which. If you're looking at the contenders for that championship game, I'll talk about them a little bit later. Arizona came back to beat Colorado 40, 34 to 31. I love Arizona. I knew this was a dicey game. I picked Colorado to cover and they did, but Arizona got the win. I was happy to see that. Indiana and Illinois played a crazy game. For Big Ten West, 48 to 45. Illinois won in overtime. Paddock threw for 507 yards. I think that was all kinds of records for the Big Ten and for the for Illinois. 662 yards of offense for Illinois in this one. Just blew up. And also, that was a, a passing performance from a Brett Bielema team. Tulane squeaks by Tulsa to move to 9-1. and one. Tulane is just playing with fire. Like, I don't... The way they're playing right now, I can't reasonably pick them to win the AAC, but it's likely that they're they're going to be in that championship game. The other 9 and 1 team you guys might not be talking about, Toledo. Their quarterback, Dequan Finn, Pat's cousin, has been balling. It's not Pat's cousin. Highest QBR of the weekend against Eastern Michigan. 6 and 0 in the MAC. They clinched their division and they got a decent Bowling Green team up next on the road, so they, they may lose a game, but Toledo is – they're a fun team, man. Those teams from Ohio, so much talent in Ohio, dude, and the Rockets are Rockets are playing well this year. Some wild West Coast scores. Hawaii beat Air Force by two touchdowns, so that's two weeks in a row. Air Force loses despite being like 20-point favorites. Arizona State beat UCLA. Love that. Love that so much. 14 and a half point dogs were the Sun Devils. And one week after that Utah thrashing, they go out and they beat Chip Kelly and the Bruins. Love it. San Jose State beat eight and one Fresno State by 24 points. So Fresno, a team 
like Wyoming, I liked both those teams are, are kind of falling right now. So let's talk briefly about the races before I get to the AP poll. AAC is pretty nuts because there's three teams that are undefeated in conference. You got Tulane, SMU, and UTSA, and Memphis is lurking at five and one. So it's extremely hard to handicap who's going to that championship game right now. Big 12 is anyone's guess after Texas. And even Texas, they're they're six and one. If they lose to Iowa State this week, they're going to fall back into those other four teams with two losses. So I don't know who's going to the Big 12 title game right now either. Big 10, it's going to be Iowa against whoever wins the game. We know that. Pac-12, Washington and Oregon are in the lead, but that could change if Oregon takes a loss. Oregon State plays both Washington and Oregon over the next two weeks. Those teams got to be careful. What I would, Oregon State's got to get one of those teams, right? It's got to. SEC, Bama, and UGA on our collision course. That's easy. Conference USA, Liberty is going to be in there. And hopefully New Mexico State. They're in second place right now. Mountain West, Air Force is still 5-1. and one. Despite two awful games in a row, they're still 5-1. and one. one loss, UNLV could be in the championship game. A very unlikely championship game contender now in the Mountain West is UNLV after Fresno's loss, after Wyoming's been fading. And San Jose State and Boise are still in the mix as well with two losses. And in the Sun Belt, it's going to be Coastal or App. And both of those teams play JMU over the next two weeks against Troy. So if one of those teams can manage to beat JMU, they're probably going to punch their ticket to the championship game to play against Troy. AP poll, let me pull it up for you guys. AP poll after week 11. Some observations here. There are five 10-0 Power 5 teams. They're right across the top line there. Five 10-0 teams. That is the first time ever there's been five Power teams that are 10-0, at least since this more modern P5 uh, over the last decade. If you go back to 09, there were six 10-0 teams, but one was TCU, not in a power conference. One was Boise, and one was Cincinnati, also not in power conferences. You had Cincy in the Big East, but that was after you know we had left, and you get my point. So last year, we had four 10-0 P5 teams. This year, it's five. So starting to see a lack of upsets and like, why, why is that? Why are we seeing this lack of upsets? Well, I feel like it's a combination of the transfer portal and NIL and not that guys weren't paying for player teams, weren't paying for players forever, but the portal and the access and the way these teams can fill spots on the roster that are weaknesses. We saw it from all of these teams in the off season. You just see again and again these top teams. We saw what Florida State did in the portal. Georgia doesn't have to do it so, so much. Um, a little bit less than Michigan as well, but all of these teams hit the portal, unlike Clemson. And you'll notice that Clemson's not in the top 25. And I think that's a big reason why we're not seeing these upsets at the top because so many of these top teams, they have one flaw, they have one hole on the roster, they go out and they fill it. Other observations from the top 25. No change to the top eight. Louisville moves to number nine with the Old Miss and Penn State losses. Oregon State is number 10 after throttling Stanford. They are the top two-loss team. I think Mizzou is probably the best two-loss team, and they're one spot behind Oregon State. But you could pick your poison. Hey, Oregon State can stake their claim this weekend when they play Washington. LSU, still the top three-loss team. I think that's correct. 
Tulane at number 17, JMU at number 18, and Liberty at number 25. Those are your G5 teams. OK State and Tennessee drop considerably after their big losses, but both remain in the poll. Kansas dropped out, and Iowa still not in the AP, despite being in the CFP the last two weeks. They blanked Rutgers this week. I wanted to talk, well, I guess I did talk about the Heisman a little bit earlier, but right now I said Bo Nix is the leader in the odds. Penix right behind him. A little bit of a gap, then it's Daniels and then Marvin Harrison Jr. My pick today, 38 total touchdowns. I would go with Daniels, Bo Nix, and Penix. Let's see how those championship games end up because that that could sway me, and depending on how Bo Nix continues. Bo Nix has 30 touchdowns, but he doesn't have the rushing yards or the rushing touchdowns that Jaden Daniels has. And like I said before, it's not Jaden's fault. His defense stinks. My playoff four as of today, there was just a very, very slight change. Same four teams, but I moved Georgia to number one and I moved Michigan to number two. And that's because, one, the dominance in the Ole Miss game. And if they beat Bama in the SEC title, they're going to be number one because they have Tennessee this week and a game against Bama, which will be a massive game, high-ranked Bama team. The committee is going to put Georgia number one. That's my opinion. And that's what this is. Pete's playoff four is what I predict. I'm trying to nail the playoff four that the committee is going to put out. That's the point of this. It's not what I think. It's not my power rankings. It is what I project the committee will do for the playoff four. And so my thought, Georgia goes unbeaten. The committee will put them one. Michigan goes unbeaten. The committee will put them two. Because they their championship game just... It's going to be Iowa, and Iowa may be ranked by the committee, but it's not going to have the same effect as Georgia taking down Bama. So that's why I have Georgia number one. FSU, I th- even though they're messing around a little bit, think they're going undefeated. They'll, they're going to be in there at number three. And Oregon, still my number four team, because I think they're running the table. I think they're beating Washington, and Washington might catch a loss to Oregon State this week. I really like Oregon. They were my number one power rank team last week when I when I went over that with Robbie on our show midweek and last week but I uh I just think Oregon's really good and they yeah they struggled a bit with with USC but I think that was to be expected after the Utah game so that's my playoff four right now Georgia number one Michigan number two Florida State number three and Oregon number four nope no Ohio State no Ohio State for me because I just feel like Michigan's going to beat them and then they won't be in contention anymore. And no Big 12. And part of that is because with Brooks out, that's got to ha- that's going to have to factor in to the committee's decision. Ewers has been hurt. I think Texas could catch a loss to Iowa State. They could catch a loss to Oklahoma in the championship game. They could catch a loss to whoever they play in the championship game. So I don't know. One more ad read before we do this upcoming week's games. College Football Monday is brought to you by Compass Coffee. They have 16 locations in D.C. and Northern Virginia. They're quickly becoming the go-to cup of joe. The company was started by two Marines back in 2014. Their goal was simple. Make a great cup of coffee that points you in the right direction every day, kind of like a compass. That's what I got in my cup right now, and that's what you should be drinking. Our listeners can now get 20% off using code 2DEEP, 
VT. So download the Compass Coffee app. They have an awesome app or go to their site and load up your cart because you're getting 20% off. Too deep VT. Compass Coffee, great coffee doesn't have to be complicated. This week's games, we got NC State coming into lane. Virginia Tech, three-point favorites. Three-point favorites. Gotta love it. Against a 7-3 and three NC State team. So this is one of those games where we've played bad, bad teams in the conference. We've played the good teams in the conference. And those games have had very different <laughs> results. This team, right down the middle. So will this, this be that game that kind of is like the Liberty game, a back and forth, comes down to a turnover, comes down to a stop? I think it is. Because this defense for NC State can really play. We'll go into that with more detail, but I do like VT being three-point favorites at home. That essentially means if it was on a neutral field, it would be a pick em, but we get those three for being in lane. Utah at Arizona. Fun game. Arizona half-point favorites right now at home. I guess that's basically a pick em. Louisville at Miami. Important game. Important game for the Hokies. We want to see Miami win this game because they're one-and-a-half-point dogs. Very close line. They can beat Louisville. They can. They got a new quarterback playing. Hopefully he's he's healthy enough to play after going out of the game last week. But if Miami wins that game, we will have a shot at the ACC title game as long as we win. Georgia at Tennessee. Tennessee, 10-point underdogs at home to Georgia. The, the worst thing to happen for Georgia might have been Tennessee getting their doors blown off by Mizzou because maybe they're going to ride the ship and bounce back and play a decent game against Georgia. I don't think Tennessee's very good. Georgia probably beats them up pretty good, but maybe Georgia's coming down off the old Miss game too. And they maybe they'll be a little sleepy early in, in Nayland. UNC at Clemson. Clemson's seven point favorites. We need UNC to win this game if we want any chance at the title game. Gonna be a tough sell. Hardest part of the whole equation, in my opinion, is UNC trying to go down and beat a newly reinvigorated Dabo and Clemson team. K-State at Kansas, put this on the list because in-state rivalry, both those teams have been fun this year. Kansas, seven and a half point underdogs. Bean went out with the injury, which sucks. Hopefully they get one of their quarterbacks back for this game. Washington at Oregon State, love love this game. Love the environment you get in Corvallis. This is essentially a pick right now too. I like Oregon State to win this game, and the line is telling you it's going to be close. Texas at Iowa State, final game. I put this on here because it's a dangerous spot for Texas. They just lost Brooks. I don't know Ewer's status. This could be a potential loss for, for Texas. Iowa State, they just crushed BYU. They've played a lot of good games uh, since the beginning of the year when they had all those guys with suspensions, but younger guys have been getting reps and they've been playing and improving. Iowa State's a decent team. Matt Campbell's a good coach. Let's see what they can do against Texas. Texas they almost lost to Houston. They almost lost to TCU. Like this Texas team, they're they're not elite. They're just not elite. Uh, they they beat Bama earlier in the year, great win in Tuscaloosa. But with the Ewers injury and the Brooks injury, they're not the same team. So we'll see what happens. That's going to do it for College Football Monday for this week. So stoked about Tech's win, being able to overcome that mental hurdle of winning on the road. Kyron looking like a veteran out there, just bulldozing people, rushing, passing. The wide receiving core coming up huge, Felton, Lane. Lane had the return that got called back. Well, guess what? Didn't matter. He got the touchdown on that drive anyway. 
Love what I'm seeing from this team. Five wins. Five and five. We are 500. Let's go over 500 this week, fellas. Let's go over 500 at home. I'm going to be there. Make sure you come out to Friday Night Lights at Tots from 8 to 10 on Friday night. I'm going to be out there. handful of the other Suns team is going to be out there. It's going to be a blast. Come have a rail with me. Come have a beer with me. Friday Night Lights, 8 to 10 at Tots on Friday, the night before the NC State game. And check out the live streams me and Sam did during the BC game on the Suns of Saturday channel along with this video. I will be posting this to the podcast feed later in the day for easier consumption. Until next time, go Hokies.